Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 354th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons prevailed over the Seattle Seahawks today, 27-23. They needed an interception from Richie Grant to protect the win after a turnover gave the ball back to the Seahawks. But they couldn't get it into the end zone. The Falcons unleashed a pass rush that saw sacks from Lorenzo Carter and Grady Jarrett to help hold off the Seattle Seahawks today here in Seattle at Lumen Field. Falcons coach Arthur Smith wanted to discuss the defense. Uh, Zoe too, right? Zoe, Zoe got one early in the drive, and um, it, it felt like a heavyweight fight. D-Led, that's a good football team, and uh, I, I've got the utmost respect for Pete Carroll and his staff, and uh, we knew it was going to be a tough environment. It's, a, it's one of the better environments in all of sports. Coming up here to Seattle on the road, they're, uh, it's just loud. I mean, they, they've got a reputation, and uh, they were on brand today, and so for the most part, D-Led is never perfect. We talk about progress. There's a lot of things we can clean up. There's a lot of things I can do better, but very happy to get a win. Yeah, no question about it. The Falcons were driving to put this thing away. They had a game-winning drive with 6.42 going uh, left in the game. Then we heard the announcement. NFL security orders that the field be cleared. So the Falcons are, are uh, driving there. You know, they got the ball. They got the lead. They could run out the clock and get the W. Uh, but then there's about a seven-minute delay for the uh, drone to be cleared out of the no-fly zone uh, by NFL security, which in effect gave Seattle a, a, a timeout, you know. But nobody was fussing about it uh, afterwards. Safety uh, was important. So, so Arthur Smith didn't complain about it. But two plays later, or actually on the third play, Marcus Mariota and Tyler Algier had a fumble uh, exchange there. And, and Seattle got the ball back. And, uh, you know, so now Seattle's got the ball. They're down four. They got to score. So they get down. You know, Lorenzo Carter gets a sack. They come back and they start driving. Uh, they get down to the 24. And then Grady Jarrett busts through and gets a sack on third and eight. So then it's fourth and 18. So, you know, they got to take a shot to the end zone or at least get 18 yards. Uh, Geno Smith was flushed out of the pocket. More pressure. Then he uh, got over to the right and uh, threw it up, and uh, Richie Grant came down with the interception. But here's what Coach Arthur Smith had to say about the drone situation. Yeah, all they told us was a drone, and uh, I've probably read too many uh, CIA uh, fiction thrillers, uh, maybe too many Brad Thor books, something. So I'm looking up, and they're telling me to get on the sideline, and I'm, there's a drone. So. Uh, some interesting thoughts going through your head when they, they told us to go to the bench, but luckily nothing happened. Yeah, they didn't. But um, one of the big things today, you know, a lot was made of Kyle Pitts' uh, 
targets early in the season here. He had seven in the first game, had four in the second game, four catches. Came into this game with four catches for 34 yards. And uh, they went to him on the first play of the game. He went deep. They threw a bomb. Marcus uh, uh, Mariota overthrew him, but he ended up with five catches for uh, 87 yards, most of it all in the first half. Then, um, you know, with them opening things up, that allowed the running attack to get going. Here's what Coach Arthur Smith had to say on the rushing attack. I thought we'd have a little more access there for some of the other guys, and so there's some things we want to do early, and we're never going to, you know, we stayed with it. and. Uh, it was cool to watch those guys finish the game. We needed a first, and uh, hats off to the offense and uh, CP for finishing it up. Yeah, CP, that's Cordarrelle Patterson. He ran for a career-high 141 yards on 17 carries. That's 8.3 yards, a, a, a toke. Uh, you know, things weren't going so well for him uh, in the first half, but then it opened up in the second half as, you know, the line kept leaning on those uh, those big guys up front for Seattle uh, and uh Patterson broke loose for a 40-yard gain there to slipped out the back door. And there's a good picture up on AJC.com. Uh, the key blocks were, Patterson said they were from Avia Williams and Felipe Franks. And I was like, oh, I got to see that. And uh, Felipe, the converted quarterback's out there blocking on the big play of the game. So, you know, here is Cordell Patterson discussing how, you know, after they went from L.A. to Seattle, how they didn't want to come home without a W. You know, we just hungry, man. You know, I, was, I did an interview earlier. I was telling the guy, man, we, coach let all of us speak uh, last night. You know, everybody said some, some, some good stuff, and you know, to come out and get that win. You know, we <laughs> we've been away for eight days. You know, I told him, ain't no way I'm coming home without a, with a, with an L, man. And, you know, my family would kill me if I come home, for, been gone that long and lose. But no, it was, it's, it's, it was great, man. I. I just appreciate every guy in this locker room. Just not everybody in this locker room. The whole organization, man, they, they really don't know it. the work everybody else put in. Go to video, you know, nutrition, trainers. It's just it's just so much going to work, but they only see us guys on Sunday. So we just got to take our hats off to everybody in this organization. Yeah, um, and he wanted to also give, uh, um, you know, kudos to his offensive linemen. Here's what he had to say. At first, man, they, they did a heck of a job. You know, they I feel like they knew what we was gonna do, but you know, the offense, like I said, the offensive line, they they stepped up big and they stepped up big each and every week, man. And I couldn't do it out the offensive lines, man. I, I got high praise for those guys and unbelievable work. You know what Coach Ladd do for them boys and just each and every day they they really work harder than everybody on this team. Yep, no doubt. Uh, the linemen paved the way for the 141. Overall, the Falcons rushed 31 times for 179. 5.8 yards a carry, the long of 40, uh, two touchdowns. Uh, the one 17-yard touchdown run by Patterson and a one-yard touchdown run by Marcus Mariota. Marcus also was proficient today in the pass game as he was 13 of 20 for 229 yards, uh, one touchdown. It was a, a dandy there to uh, Drake London and uh, uh, the one touchdown for uh, – and one interception, but that was on Coach Smith. He said he got greedy with five seconds left before halftime and got picked off, almost returned for a touchdown, but Parker Hesse made the tackle. Marcus's passer rating was 99.8 for the day. Here's what Marcus Mariota had to say about the win. Oh, huge, huge. Um, you know, to start 0-2 is always tough. You kind of dig yourself in a little bit of a hole. Um, but it's, it says a lot about our guys. Uh, they're 
their ability to bounce back, and uh, that was a huge win for us. And, uh, you know, the Falcons came out throwing. They were spreading it around and uh, you know, went to Kyle Pitts a lot early. Uh, we were counting them off on Twitter on, on the passes that went his way. It's a couple overthrows in one series. Uh, he had them open on one. Uh, the other one, he might not have, or might have been a really, really tight fit. But, yeah, so he only had seven incompletions. Three of them were to Kyle. One, uh, three were overthrows, uh, you know, understandably on one. But the other two were, were missed throws uh, by Marcus Mariota. But, you know, those passes, um, you know, kind of had to back them safeties up. If, you know, they started creeping up into the run game, uh, you know, they would have been able to go back over the top again and maybe connect. So that was important. And we talked to Marcus uh, and how the passing game opened things up for the run game. Yeah, and that's sometimes how it's got to be, right? Um, you know, Seattle did a great job early on of kind of boxing us in, and we made some plays in the passing game. Once you're able to do that, it loosens it up, and um, our guys up front did a great job of just kind of pushing that line of scrimmage, and uh, we found some some ways to break runs and really break the game open for us. Now, you know, they, they're, they're going in to close it out, and then you got, you know, you get the drone stoppage, then you got to go start it back up for security reasons, so, uh, and then you get the fumble. So we wanted to know from Marcus, uh, you know, what happened on the fumbled exchange between him and Tyler Algier. Yeah, that's on me. Um, you know, in that situation, just being smarter with the football. Um, selfishly, I was trying to go close it myself. Um, you know, I thought I could have got around the corner there. Um, but it's all part of this learning process. We've got a young back. Um, and this is my third game again for a couple of years. And, um, you know, those are, those are processes. Those are things that we'll continue to grow on and uh, things we'll work at. All right. He said he, he was trying to pull it out. That's basically what he was saying on the RPO. He was trying to be the hero there and, uh, you know, left the ball on Algiers' hip. Now, uh, there was a big event here this week. We, you know, um, Elijah Wilkinson had to leave the team to attend to a personal matter, mispractice on Thursday and Friday. They declared him out. Let him go handle that and take care of the personal matter. And so Colby Gassett got the start. It was his sixth career start in the NFL. Started four games with the Cardinals a few years back. Did not play in 2020 because of COVID. He's got a kidney, genetic kidney situation that he didn't want to risk it. You know, missed the game. There's a good story, feature story there from this guy from uh, Cumming, Georgia, North Forsyth, uh, Appalachia State. You know, he was coached up there by the offensive line coach, Dwayne Ledford. So, Kobe started today and looked good in there at left guard. Uh, so, um, you know, that was a, a good showing by him. And uh, he helped with the run game, too. He was good in pass protection, watched him play, uh, focused on him about, about five plays of the game. And uh, he was stout. He was stout up in there. He was getting after it. And so, we uh, wanted to discuss the play of the offensive line with Kobe Gossett. I mean, like I said, it's just resiliency. I mean, this, you could say that for the entire team. This offensive line is incredibly tight. We play really well together, and I'm excited to see what we can do for the rest of the year. All right. Well, he's excited to see what they can do. And we talked to Gossett about, hey, when the running game uh, goes off, what is it like for the linemen? I mean, that's just a part of being an offensive lineman. I mean, we, we're going to sit there, and we're going to hammer away and chip away until we can bring one off. Well, they got some. They got they got a couple. They busted them loose there against the 
Seattle Seahawks, who are, you know, respectfully, they're not the Legion of Boom anymore. But, you know, they still play tough. That's Pete Carroll's guys. guys. He's on about his third uh, and second generation defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt. You know, the Falcons and the uh, Seahawks are in that same cycle. You know, both of them were perennial playoff teams, and, and they're not anymore. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're trying to find some players and build it back up. Uh, we did a couple other highlights. We did Mariota and Patterson. So, you know um, – about uh, their their work here. His 40-yard rush in the third quarter marked the longest carry as a Falcon and the sixth 40-plus-yard run of his career. So he's got big playability. Tyler Algier had 25 yards on six carries. Uh, we gave you Pitts five for 87. Uh, Sunday marked the fourth time Pitts' career that he's had more than 85 yards receiving. Uh, Drake London... He uh, had three receptions here. We look, uh, Drake, three of six targets, 54 yards, and the touchdown. He had a long of 30. So that's still pretty solid by the rookie. Uh, Lamade Zacchaeus had two for 49. And uh, those are the offensive highlights for us. We'll come back and do uh, the defensive ones uh, after we hear from uh, Jake Matthews and Grady Jarrett and Richie Grant on his interception. But for now, this is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now we're back from break here. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, here with the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, episode 354. And uh, I was looking on my memories yesterday. Uh, this is the sixth season because the um, episode eight was uh, was five years ago. So that was the that would have been the first uh, year. So we're six years deep into the Bowtie Chronicles, and uh, we. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for following us on Twitter. And, you know, just get used to getting uh, uh, some questions on Twitter after the game. You know, as the season progresses, we are bringing back the Falcons fan mailbag here the last couple of weeks. And we'll um, have some questions here at the end for you. Um, caught Jake Matthews out by, the, um, out by the food stand. He was filling his bag up for the plane. Uh, that's a no-no now. They said they want us to get him in the locker room. But I'm like, I'm cool with Jake. He doesn't mind. But, you know, I guess we got a new rule here. I got to follow. But uh, here's what Jake had to say about the offensive line and the game and getting the big W. How did the, y'all, the running game, y'all stay with it and pop for y'all? Was that a, 
And as a lineman, I had to feel good. Yeah, no, it, it felt really good. First and foremost, you know, pulling out, getting a win, um, coming into a you know incredible environment like this, and finding a way to win. But that, that's part of the part of running the ball. Um, you'd love to gash them for 30 yards each time and the whole game, but it, you, you got to work at it, and it takes time eventually to wear a defense down. So um, I'm happy with how we stuck with it, and, and it paid off in the end. And uh, what, what does it mean getting a win after two close calls like that? Yeah, like I said, it, there's no better feeling because um, in this profession, man, it, it's so hard to win. The, everyone is talented. Every team can go out there any day and upset, I guess you'd say, another team. But, um, no, I, I'm proud of us because we, we we stayed here all week. We had a really good plan. We stuck to it. We stayed together as a team and grew closer and came out with a win. So, um, yeah, it feels good to get this thing rolling. Well, all right, you know, I think I um... – I mentioned this after the Saints game when they had the, the, the sacks and so forth. But I was like, hey, when they needed a sack, they didn't get it. Well, today, when they needed a sacks, they needed pressure, they got it. But uh, Taekwon Graham was active. Lorenzo Carter was active. And then Grady comes out with a big sack on third down. I mean, I used to see that all the time with our Reggie White and Sean Jones. You know, you know they, they got to protect the game. They got to get the – they got to – you know, the offense didn't get to close it out for whatever reason. You know, um, in this case, you got a drone involved and NFL security and a fumble. So, you know, all that happened. But Grady and the defense went out there and, and uh, got after it, and he got out uh, with a big sack on third down and eight. Uh, you know, that was huge for the Falcons. Dropped Geno Smith. Here's what Grady had to say about closing out the game and getting the win. We definitely had to go out there and close it out, um, and you know we just had to respond. We said we talked we talked to each other last night on the team and how we play, got to play complimentary, excuse me, complimentary football, and um, we had the offenses back when they made a mistake because they put some points up for us when we were struggling. So um, came through at the end and got a nice sack on third down, and we got a nice pick by Richie Grant on on fourth down. So defense came through and um, helped helped the team get a win today, but it took a team effort. Yeah, now defense, uh, you know, wasn't their, one of their better outings. Uh, the uh, uh, Seahawks put up 420 yards on them, 282 in the first half. So, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of yardage. They were doing some different things. Um, you know, they had three linebackers in there uh, running kind of a 4-3 over. I'm going to have to hit up some of my defensive people here. I'm like, hey, what are they doing uh, with these uh, – what they what are they doing here with these linebackers? Troy Anderson was in there with Rashawn Evans and uh, Michael Walker, and uh, but they I was like, uh, hey, what are they doing with the linebackers? It looks like a four three over or under. Yeah, it's a four three over and uh, desperation. He's playing like a four three over stack with the middle linebacker on the tight end. So they were worried about these tight ends because Disley caught one. Uh, Parkinson got open deep on a play action on three and one. So they know Gino liked to go to his tight ends. So that's what they were trying to combat, trying to stop the run and stop those tight ends with this 43. You know, the Falcons are a three, four base team, but they came up with some, some things, some, 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 uh, options, some different formations to, uh, help slow down the, uh, Seattle, uh, offense. So that's what, um, Coach Art Smith told me in the offseason, like, hey, 
I was like, what are y'all going to do with Dion? You know, that's two more weeks down the road. And I was like, hey, how are y'all going to play Anderson? He's like, well, if they can play, that's going to give Dean Pease a lot of options. So we saw some of those options today uh, with the 4-3 under. With um, the, I, I didn't know if it was under or shade. It was a 4-3 over, but it was a um, – I didn't know if it was under or shade because they played Anderson inside of the – defensive end, which was a BQ take. So, you know, I reached out to my former pros and they, you know, I was like, hey, what's this? And they were always willing to help and everything. So uh, that's uh, that's where we're at with with the defense and, and so forth. And Grady Jarrett, the run, he was, let's look at the numbers here. Well, yeah, 4.9, that's too much. Yep, sure did. Rashard Penny got out early. Looked like he was on his big day. DJ Dallas from Georgia, former AJC Super 11. Kenny Walker, the second-round pick from uh, Michigan State, 3 for 19. But they uh, 23 for 112 overall, 4.9. So we have we asked Grady about the run defense. We definitely try to find the answer for it. They got going um, early hot with Penny, and we knew that it was going to come down, trying to run downhill. We try to make some adjustments, and uh, we, we made some, but they still got a little too much on the ground today. We got to be better, definitely, um, across the board against the run. And um, But at the end of the day, we got the win, and um, that's what counts. All right, no doubt about it. So I wanted to talk to um, Richie, Richie Grant, the uh, Falcon safety, who came up with the um, big play at the end of the game, and uh, we wanted to uh, – you know, have Richie describe to us uh, his interception. We got a video of one-on-one with Richie talking about the play and how Jalen Hawkins, you know, told him to sit down and so forth. Here's what Richie had to say about the interception. First off, man, we got some great pressure. Uh, those, those couple of downs before the interception, got some great pressure. I think my boy Lorenzo, I think he got his first sack today, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. But uh, kudos to him, man, and they just kept applying the pressure that drive. Uh, mm-hmm. We were sitting back. Um, the ball was up there. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like we needed to play for the team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was able to come down with it. All right, Richie Grant, he was able to come down with the interception. He needed to play for the team, and he did it. Second year out of UCF, you know, big uh, big win over Georgia Tech. Heard the coach uh, that broke during the game here, that Coach Collins was been relieved of his duties. Uh, we'll see which direction the tech people go. A lot of people are saying, why don't they just call Deion uh, Sanders up at Jackson State? And I was like, that makes sense. He might, he'd be, they automatically be in every five stars uh, room, every five star uh, in Georgia, they'd be in the room right away. But we'll see if Georgia uh, Tech is going to do that. Well, let's get back to the Falcons podcast. All right. Uh, let's go over some of the defensive performers. And then we're going to go to your questions here and uh, wrap it up here. Uh, episode 357, we got inside linebacker Rashad Evans. He had a career-high 12 tackles, two passes defense, and one hit tackle for loss. He almost had an interception. Uh, his previous high was 11 tackles in Week 8 uh, for Tennessee against Tampa Bay, October the 27th, 2019. Uh, Gray Jarrett had five tackles, four solos. And uh, he had three tackles for loss, one quarterback sack, and one one big quarterback sack, then a quarterback hit. He's had at least one sack in each of the last four meetings against the Seahawks, totaling 4.5 sacks. Uh, Mikael Walker, 
Finished with nine tackles, eight solo, one pass defense. He had eight solo tackles. That was a career high for him. Richie Grant had seven tackles, six solos, two passes defense, and one interception. Uh, it was the first of his career. Sealed the victory. A.J. Terrell, he was balling out there. They caught a little pass on him for the first his first one. But then after that, he was swatting balls all over the place. He uh, had a great game today. They matched him up with D.K. Uh, D.K. caught one against the zone. I saw Hawkins was the close one, closest one to him on that 18-yard touchdown pass. But uh, A.J. wasn't having it. He was not having D.J. Metcalf. Let me see what he was held to. Metcalf had five for 64. You take that. He had 12 targets. So, uh, you know, that, that was good. And then it, then uh, A.J. was batting him down. He had six tackles, and he had a career high with three passes defense. And, I mean, they were obvious. No little tug on one, but nothing uh, nothing major that would have drew, drew a DPI. And all three were coming in the first – all three were in the first half. So, Lorenzo Carter finished with two tackles, one solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, and a QB hit. Uh, Casey Hayward had six tackles. Uh, Jalen Hawkins finished with four tackles and three solos. And then, you know, we got to give the special teams guys some love here. Uh, Young Way Koo was 2 of 2, including a 54 yarder. He became the eighth player to hit a field goal of at least 54 yards at Lumen Field. It's 54 yard field goal on Sunday, tied for the third longest kick at Lumen Field since it opened in 05. It used to be called CenturyLink. And then Bradley Pinion punted once for 73 yards and a 53-yard net average. Marked the longest punt of Pinion's career and the third longest punt in the franchise history. Well, there you have it. We went over the uh, offensive and defensive stars, the highlights of the game and so forth. We're going to move on to um, our mailbag. And uh, we have Daniel Solerson, the executive producer of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, is going to help us out with the mailbag. What do we have from the fans today, Daniel? What's going on, D-Led? And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at D-OrlandoAJC. A few questions here for you. This one is a two-parter by BirdPlayHawks at Mr. Underscore B Play. First, what's going on with the defense? And then the second question, is RB2 going to emerge or are we just going to ride with CP, which is, of course, Corderell Patterson? So first, what's going on with the defense? I thought the defense really stepped up. I know the numbers may not show it, but the defense coming up big at the end there to get the win. But what what are you seeing from the defense? Are you seeing progress through the first three weeks? Uh, yeah, you're seeing it in the uh, pass rush, Daniel. They they were able to get there late, which they didn't do in the first game against the Saints. You know, they needed a stop, and uh, they didn't get there. Uh, the running numbers are concerning because people are going to try to run on you if you're giving up five yards of carry. So they got to play uh, Nick Chubb and the, and the Browns next week, and they're not throwing much, not with Jacoby Brissett. So Grady was right about that. Uh, you know, they're doing some different stuff. They did some different stuff today with that 4-3 four, four, over, getting, uh, you know, three inside linebackers out there to go with, you know, the two outside guys. So my guys call it a 4-3 over. You could call it a 2-5, you know, with the outside linebackers being counted in the linebackers. But really, once you put the three linebackers in there, those outside linebackers turn into defensive ends. So 
uh, which, you know, that's flexible. Seems kind of complex with um, Ted Monachino being out. We hope Coach Ted, the outside linebacker coach, is back soon. You know, he's dealing with a personal matter also. Maybe he'll talk, we'll, you know, um, but hopefully, he'll, you know, he'll get back and get back here and fine and everything. But, yeah, that's what's uh, going on with the defense. Got to stop the run. They didn't do that. 420 yards is too much, but they did come up with the big play. RB2, your RB2 is on the IR right now. It is uh, Damian Williams. Uh, Tyler Algier, um, uh, maybe it's going to come, but uh, right now it doesn't look like he has the Jets to get outside. Uh, it looked like he had some holes, but the linebackers were closing on him pretty fast. Uh, yeah, he averaged three yards of carry last week. Let's look at it here. 4.2, he had a good run, a seven-yard run up the middle. So he runs with power. He runs, you know, he runs tough. He ran real tough at BYU. But those outside runs, I don't know if he can get to the corner and, and get it upfield. I want to see him do that. He hasn't been able to so far. But six carries for 25 yards, 4.2. Right now he's your RB2 because Damian Williams is out with the rib injury. He's got uh, at least two more weeks uh, on the short-term IR. So uh, Avery Williams had nine yards on a jet sweep. So um, that was good to see that uh, they had him. And then, you know, they had Caleb Huntley on the practice squad. So the RB2 is is on IR right now. And Algier is getting some opportunities to show his worth as a fifth-round pick out of Brigham Young. All right, good stuff. Our next tweet comes from Al Scott, at Al Scott 1998 Not a question, but Mikel Walker is having a great season despite flying under the radar. What are you seeing from him through three weeks, D-Led? Yeah, real solid. Uh, signal caller there. Uh, we've been singing his praises since exhibition season. Uh, nothing but uh, solid play from him. He almost had another interception today. Uh, he drifted back and got, got one last week against the Rams on Stafford. Almost had another one today. So, you know, they're playing a lot of zone, mixing it up, and he is uh, instinctual. He's got great instincts in the zone coverages and uh, does a good job of following the quarterback's eyes, which will take you to the ball as a linebacker. You got to – that's all Jeff Ubrick used to talk about, the former uh, linebacker coach. He was like, hey, the linebackers got to play with their eyes. You know, if you don't see the ball, then you don't need to be going there. So – uh Mikael Walker's doing a great job of that as a first-time starter, and he's off to a great start here in the 2022 season. All right, last question from Mr. Rotten. Not really a rotten question or um, even anything, but it is a Twitter handle at Mr. Rotten American. He goes, why is there a drone? So take me back to that situation, D-Led. What was going through your mind when, one, they stopped play because you normally don't see a delay during a football game. Um, but what did you, what were you hearing in the press box and kind of what was going through your mind when you, when you heard that there was a drone roaming around uh, Lumen Field? I've never seen the NFL security. You know, I, my first games were in the 80s at the Bengals. So uh, I've been in a lot of these games, not consecutively, but that, you know, I've never heard uh, a game being stopped by NFL security. You know, maybe they try to stay in the back ground uh even in minnesota with the super bowl and they had all the uh, national guards out and their rifles at at the media center uh the nfl said that's too much we need to um they like their security to be back in the in the in the shadows so people feel comfortable coming out and so forth so uh, for them to stop a game it had to be a very serious matter 
they took care of it, and we got back to the football game, and nobody was fussing about it, at least on the Atlanta side. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to stay safe. Grady, Grady said that, and so did Coach, so did Coach Smith. Now, um, the, some of the people went to the Washington-Stanford game last night and said it was a drone flying over there, too. So, um, you know, if you don't have approval to be flying in the airspace over the stadiums, you know, they are going to, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what type of fine or uh, violation that is uh, for folks. But I have seen some drone photos that were really, really cool. You know, I think the Minnesota game and so forth. So, you know, I guess once you have licensed drones shooting games, that might be pretty cool. But uh, right now, uh, right here today, that was not cool. Never heard NFL security stopping a game. And, and that's what happened here today. Cost the Falcons momentum. And if they lost the game, it would have been, I'm sure people would have been upset about the drugs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jen Hale talked about it, that Washington game last night, that the it was a Washington University of Washington drone and went rogue. And that's why it was flying over the field. So hopefully it wasn't one of their drones that went rogue again uh, this afternoon since they're pretty close. But um, yeah, hopefully that doesn't really happen again. But again, for questions next week after the Browns game, uh, follow D-Led on Twitter at D-OrlandoAJC. That's it for the mailbag. d let you wrap things up here. All right. Thank you, Daniel. That was awesome. Appreciate you coming on and helping us out here with the mailbag as our executive producer. So with that, we're going to get on out of here. It's going to be a busy week for the Falcons. I understand they got a, a victory Monday, so we're not. Uh, coach is going to be available, and um, we're going to have Trevin Gray out there, one of our, our interns from the University of Georgia. He's going to be uh, following up our stories, and we'll be ready to get back out there on Wednesday. Uh, been uh, been on been on the road here for a little while, but uh, looking forward to getting back and. Uh, getting to um, practice on Wednesday. See the Falcons as they start to get ready for the Cleveland Browns, who are 2-1 and one after their big win over the Steelers on Thursday night, which I watched on Amazon Prime on my phone, which, uh, you know, people are, you know, uh, taking to the streaming service stuff right now. It's actually kind of cool. So with that, uh, Falcons, 1-2. and two. After two close ones, two thrillers, they pull the victory out here in Seattle. 27 to 23, they are one and two, uh, heading into week four against the Cleveland Browns at one o'clock start at Mercedes-Benz Stadium next Sunday. Hope you all can make it and certainly tune in to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of your week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.